Hello and welcome to the Skadon Podcast, your weekly pile of nonsense. Uh, slash great stuff. Generous. Obviously, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we, we, we try. Um, yeah, this week we have... Louise. And Ronan. What, what a group. <laughs> and some good cheerleading there, Louise. I really appreciate Thanks. that. Uh, your enthusiasm is infectious and terrifying. Uh, in all the good ways that these things can That's be. That's what the mascot does. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> this is true. Um, so, yeah, we'll do our usual thing. We'll... Uh, We'll give you some movie news. We might even give you a top ten. We may, may. There is a, somehow there's one every single time. I know, right? It's like the continuous crush of film, and then some new releases. Uh, but we'll begin as we always begin with uh, some. What have we watched this week slash weeks? Louise, you haven't been here in ages. I expect five hundred films oh, from you. I got a lot. I got some good ones and some bad ones. Isn't that always the way? <laughs> so yeah, I've I've seen a few different things. Um, in kind of Cine World offerings, I seen Judy with Randy Zellweger. Did uh, you like it? Yeah, uh, there was a really good Judy Garland film. I'd give me any sort of autobiography or biography. Mm. I love it. Um, there was a really good one with um, Judy Davis, and she oh. was amazing. I Judy Davis is a great actress. Though. Oh, she's. <laughs> terrific casting yeah she was phenomenal so I kind of had that in the back of my mind sure um, it was yeah I, I thought it was very enjoyable very watchable a little bit cliched and you were just waiting for the over the rainbow kind of yeah. swan song yeah. Zavager's good though right she's very good as a very scrawny very <laughs> very uh, depressed woman who can sing with addiction problems I, I'd say there's a bit of method acting there Um oh um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it, but would I be in a rush to recommend it? No. Yeah. I no. might catch it, so it seems like an at-home kind of watch, you know? Yeah. Rather than a cinema one. I would I, agree. My grandmother, who very rarely goes to the cinema, last mentioned in this podcast, going to the cinema to Mamma Mia, uh, here we go again, which she saw twice. Whoa. Great sign of its quality. Uh, went to see this, and she was telling me all about it. Um, and she said she was disappointed that there wasn't more singing. In the Judy film, yeah, that's what I could have lived without. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, and I, she kind of didn't want the personal biopic; she just wanted a bit of a, a bit of a single. She's like, looking for a concert film, then. pretty much. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Oh. But I think anybody who knows about Judy wouldn't kind of know about your background, and you know, if you're you're going, I suppose you know it's not going to be the happiest of films. That's true. And God, when you look at what. But she looked like when she died at forty six. Mm. She she aged so dramatically, and and um, it, it's a kind of I'm conflicted. Some of it's very well executed, and some of it just goes into the cliche territory. But it, it it's interesting they had um, a young actress kind of talking about the the MGM years, and you know, that was quite interesting. You know how everything was depicted in in one way that she was this very happy go lucky teenager, and the reality was. She, they were just feeding her pills the whole time and giving her this kind of fictitious Grim. yeah yeah fictitious life to live um so that i thought that was well told and i think it's a nice kind of introduction to the judy story sure but if you want to know a little bit more i think maybe the the judy davis film is a better one what's yeah. that one called oh god i'm gonna guess over the I, rainbow I, i'm thinking yeah. that's I, I think it's just called judy all right i must check it out uh, i love judy davis she's great She's not in enough, though, is she? No, like? she's not. No. She's anything she's in is like, oh, great, Sue Davis, but yeah. it's never seems to be enough. 
I like. I'm just thinking now. Jewel in the Crown and the Judy film, and I'm struggling uh, to think. Barton about Fink, it. husbands and wives. Yeah. Oh, I see. I have to check every time I've seen her in anything. I've I've really enjoyed well, it's over her. Broadway. I think she's in. Yeah, well. she, had a, she had a long string of Woody Allen films. Yeah, so which you know, yeah. its own problems in yeah. that way. It's but such a life. Some very tough to revisit. Um, in the kind of good category of films I've seen, I've seen Nightingale. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I say. Which I'll be seeing next week. I heard. This is tough. It's tough, but... well. So what I would kind of lump it in with is um, the proposition. And yeah. um, and I don't know if it's just... And that Antipodean kind of uh, thing. Well, I, I put it up with that because I suppose they're both Australian kind of almost folklore type stories. Um, and nightingale is is good it just falls into this category of films where i was like expecting better from it so there's something really eerie and it's it's like those kind of gothic um antarctic cars that you see with the kind of vast nothingness of an expansive landscape yeah and i thought it could it could have benefited being a little bit more like picnic at hanging rock a little bit more eerie and it didn't really fall into that category um good performances um the other film I would liken it to, and I don't know if I'm, if it's because it's got an Australian actor that I'm making this link, but um, the uh, Black Forty Seven. Yes. Because it's a revenge film, and it's kind of got that pace of a revenge film. It's sure. um, I draw comparisons with that, and I would, I have to say, against all odds, I really enjoyed Black Forty Seven. I, I kind of reluctantly went to see it, and I loved it. I, I really it was, liked it too, actually. I have to say. And I. And I, I read a review where somebody compared it to a Western and once I heard that I was like, God, it really is. It's not mm. one of those kind of bleak peg sayers maudlin Irish history stories. It's a good kind of revenge, high octave, high It's probably the only way you can approach the famine as well, like, because it's too horrifying as a, as a direct approach, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, how do you, like, you can't show people dying every second because it's, yeah. it's not a film that anybody would pay for both to make or to see in a lot of ways like so how do you approach it and this is pr- true genre is probably the only way you could actually do it yeah I, I thought now watching it it was a really interesting way of showing how so many different people were complicit in the famine yeah and not a very kind of <laughs> long <laughs> sorry something we wrote there uh, excuse me <laughs> something that wasn't very kind of um, I don't know just shoving it down your throat kind of Irish nationalism I thought it was a very good good way of of depicting that and a good kind of way of depicting on on a world stage that's just bite-sized i suppose that people can can find out yeah. about the famine and go to read out more about it and yeah so i enjoyed that nightingale um definitely worth a watch fell a little bit short for me okay um then i went to see ken loach's uh sorry we missed you um ken loach i always kind of put him and mike lee in the same category together and I'm always like oh it's not Mike Lee <laughs> I go and see a Ken Loach I'm always that's harsh like, on Uncle Ken like. I just feel like where is the comic relief and then yeah it's just it's a little bit too hard hitting a little bit too bleak and I feel it's a little bit one trick pony which I'm sure you're not gonna like me saying Jay but no well, well I'm I'm of the Mrs. Doyle school like maybe I like the misery you know um, <laughs> like I don't I'd want to go to Ken Loach to be hit in the head with a social anxiety and if it's well made more is the better like I, I want that from I don't want I don't want the com- comedic uh, relief I want to be battered around the place 
from a Ken Loach film because we need him in the grand scheme of things. That's how I'd see it. But I would say Mike Lee does that with a little bit more heart. I, he, maybe he so, but he the... also does a bit more caricature, I would, I would argue, in a lot of ways. Yeah, but I just feel... Um, I don't know. I went to see that film and I think his use of like real people with actors, it's glaringly obvious. And for me, like the, the lady who played the wife, there were scenes where she really shone and scenes where she just was stumbling over lines and it felt like a rehearsal and it slowed the pace down for me a lot. I have to say there was a, a, a little uh, child actress in it and she was phenomenal. Yeah. She was yeah, amazing. She gets the real scene of the oh film. my it God. Yeah, I was the same, Ronan. I thought she was just amazing. And I, I thought the teenage son was very good. Yeah. Um, the dad is very good. And I feel harsh saying that because th- I, I think that lady you're a, is... You're <laughs> an evil person, Louise. Uh, is not, the dad was very good. And I loved the kind of like the, the, the mank up in uh, Newcastle type, you know, the, the, that kind of banter. The um, is amazing, which is the only time I'll ever say that in my life. <laughs> It is. It's I, very I, good. I, I, I dream of a future version of that somehow, Ronan. But we, you know, we <laughs> never know. You never know. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 I loved it, but I, it's, it's catnip to me. Like I think I, I know exactly where you're coming from, Louise. In that I, I really, really enjoyed it. I really liked it. But that's, that's one of the things I was saying to Jay on the way out. That I think it almost overdoes it at points. I'm thinking particularly with the one giving away of the bottle scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. There are little bits. Of yes, I mean, that, that I think he overacts in the third act the same way he does in he does in the previous Daniel film. Blake. Like, yeah, yeah, where you you've already made the point, and I I did we we sat around discussing and saying, and I did make the point on that. I think Loach may feel, and he's probably as a, he's in his eighties, and he probably and he's looking around the world he surveys and his Britney surveys yeah. the moment that he feels he has to go one up again to there's, smack people upside the head with the actual problems of it frustration like. mm-hmm. for having shouted about these things for half a and, century and, and now to be routinely ignored it's, it's worse if possible than when he started yeah well that's exactly the point like for you go from Cathy come home to here yeah. which is the kind of fundamental kind of beginning points mm-hmm. not necessarily exactly beginning point but yeah. in terms of loaching the national consciousness she was a, actually a fantastic actress in Cathy comes home yes, and she I, was, her yeah. name escapes um, me now but but that was the first time Britain had engaged with the idea of homelessness as a kind of social, mm-hmm. certainly on the, in a kind of TV slash movie And sense. hints of prostitution yes, and things yes, like yes, that. Yeah. Like, Which you couldn't yeah. explicitly kind of mm-hmm. get into. And I think where Loach is at the moment, I would suspect I'm, I'm only kind of extrapolating from my own kind of view, mm-hmm. is that he needs, he feels the need to really ram it home. And a social sense, and fuck the film thing if it doesn't quite work for mm-hmm. the film for you. Yeah, yeah, do you know what you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think it's a social that's concern. Fair that's kind of critically important. I, th- I think it is. I think that, it is. Know, this this film has been released in the midst of an election campaign. It's very important, and Loach is kind of unapologetic about the fact that he is an activist. Yes. Uh, and his films sometimes suffer from him being an activist more than a filmmaker. Yeah. But I think that's a decision he harangues. He makes. That's yeah, I like it. Like he's in, he's aware. That this might not work in cinematic yeah. terms, yeah. Mm-hmm. but I don't think in general terms he gives a shit. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Which is a, it's still a failing of the film, and if you look at it in purely yeah. film terms, but I, yeah. Do, uh, for me, I would prefer to see something like Mike Lee, where it's hinted at and kind of suppressed, and people just trying to do their best, and that you kind of that it's left a little bit more to your imagination, whereas Ken Loach just rams it home. I know. So I'd, hard. I'd agree. I'd, um, I'd, I'd both agree and disagree with you, mm-hmm. uh, which is a weird kind and of I, I can see that it's a story that needs to be told. And one thing I'd say about Ken Loach is you come out of his films, and like that one about the, the zero contract hours, 
you kind of have an anxiety about it. You know, yeah. you're you're just yeah. like, and it, it the pace of it and having to get the deliveries on time, and you it it builds up an anxiety watching it, and it's Absolutely. definitely, um, you lingers with you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Um, that's all right. Listen, I I I I don't disagree with most of what you're saying, except to think that. I'm okay with him doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's deliberate. That's the only disagreement I'd have. But I, I would say <laughs> when you go to a Ken Loach film, you know exactly what you're Yeah, getting. I mean, there's no surprises. Like, if you're if you're annoyed by a Ken Loach film, then you should watch more Ken Loach films in the sense that if you don't know what you're getting with Ken mm-hmm. Loach, this is... I, I think, But the criticisms are fair. I have no real argument to what you're saying. Like, I, I have no... I would say right. I, Daniel Blake is a, is a better film. I think it, it has that kind of little lighter bits of comic relief there are. that just yeah I, I, I'd probably agree with that that you're not degree. just so far down in the misery you can't see the wood for the trees which was sure. a, a little bit how I felt with that um, then uh, yeah it's been very hit and miss my films lately it really has uh, The Good Liar oh. that's actually the top 10 <laughs> oh so so, so I'll you, skip you can, that you one you can stay out of that I'll skip moment. that one and I think my other films may be in the top 10 as well so I can pass the back okay Young Ronan, what do you got? I got loads, I'm afraid to say. Excellent. Uh, what we start with? Uh, of Time in the City, the Terence Davies documentary about his time growing up in Liverpool. This came out back in 2008, I think it was. Yes. And I saw it maybe a year later, and it had this really weird effect in that I can distinctly remember the day I saw it. Nothing happened that day. I got in a bus, went to a cinema, met a friend about it, but it's just... <laughs> indelible of, moment yeah it deeply enhanced my consciousness of everything that day I can like remember walking and thinking about this film all uh, I can think is your poor friend Roland I, I did nothing that day I met a friend <laughs> <laughs> whoever that was Jay. Uh, it wasn't he knows, me uh, he knows full well that he's nothing compared to this <laughs> I actually do uh, I think it's incredible it not, yeah. and I also rewatched it because Roland rewatched it and it turned up on one of the movies yeah, that we yeah, watched yeah. yeah we both and we because I, I love it as well and I'd seen it I, did, I didn't see it in the cinema I seen it a couple of years after mm-hmm. um, probably watched it around the same I'm going to be a complete ignoramus mm-hmm. now Terence Davis so he made a bunch of films the the 80s were his big films was it the 80s 70s yeah it was the late 80s early 90s where he made a couple two or three films that really hit uh, he's an English director and so he hit an English concept The Long Day Closes and um, oh sure. I can't remember the name of the one god damn it these aren't uh, the ones Distant Voices Still Lies Distant Voices Still Lies which are the, the big two they're, they're, they're massive kind of they're fictional versions of his own upbringing in working class Liverpool is this um, the one with Pete Pistoffel yes okay, yes, yeah, yes, okay yes, I'm with you, know you know sorry he's a, he's a terrific filmmaker who makes these kind of socially conscious very aware very personal mm-hmm. films and and extrapolates that into different parts as he's made films in yeah, the states yeah, yeah. and various other places. And period pieces. Yes, he, he's a very he's one of the great great it's, UK um, filmmakers. I'm one of the great filmmakers. In the in the decade plus at this point, I think actually since I've seen this, I hadn't I, I you know I didn't know who he was mm-hmm. at the point when I when I saw this film originally. I have since seen a whole bunch of his films. Those two that, that you just mentioned particularly, I absolutely adored. The Long Day Closes instantly shot into my favourite films of all time it's okay. just I think it's glorious exactly I, I, I marginally prefer to some voices still lies but yeah, I, I could, yeah, they're yeah, both yeah. essential um, so it was really interesting to revisit this and I've been meaning to do it for ages in the context of knowing his work and I've read he, he wrote a novel around the time that those first two films were released I've read that since as well very interesting to revisit and it holds up so well and what I'm really fascinated by you know it's there are so many like the film is 70 minutes long 75 mm-hmm. minutes long but it pulls together so many interesting strands of 
his life as a working class kid, what that did to shape him, the effect of Roman Catholicism, the effect of growing up gay and not quite con- understanding that, and you know, the affection of the, even the, like the idea of football in the city that's football yeah, mad yeah. and his kind of the, outsiders eye on it, I guess. Yeah, as yeah, the rhythm of the city itself, like, yeah, it's particularly yeah. Liverpoolian, and it and like it's mostly it's been called and probably accurately as the most eastern city in Ireland. Liverpool <laughs> yeah. and, and that shows in a lot of yeah, ways about yeah. historically and how the city is and how the people are in comparison mm-hmm. to Dublin people I think yeah, yeah. and uh, he's very funny he does the voiceover oh throughout God, the film so he's very droll ex- yeah, yeah. like it's hysterical but it's also really heartfelt and really lovely and real interesting exploration of how you see the world or how somebody views the world like it's it, really beautiful. And there's lots of really angry stuff. About yeah. Maggie, how Maggie Thatcher. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's great. Like it's 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 a great documentary. I one of my favorites. I, you know, I immediately kind of was running around being like, "Oh my god, this is one of the best films of the century so far." And I, I stop at it. I think it's incredible. So it's about his childhood, is yeah, it? It's basically yeah, a documentary, it's a documentary about the city. Oh, okay. About oh, Liverpool. It's a documentary about Liverpool, mm-hmm. but he kind of his place in an extremely personal prison. Yeah. You know, that sounds really interesting. One, and some of the footage is incredible. Yeah, yeah. There's really great archive footage. A little bit of stuff that he shot himself. Yeah. But mostly it's all about his voice, and he's literally like so close up to the microphone, he could, he, he, rasping into yeah. it. He's got a very distinct voice. Some people find it a little bit annoying. I kind of love I it. There's something really uh, warm about soothing, it. Soothing. I, I yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah. But he gets really exasperated. Yeah. He starts to get you know speak fast. It's sarcastic as well at points, it's depending like, on what you're looking at. Is that it's really great. It's, it's like really having great. somebody sit down and tell you about their lives for. The, you know an hour and a quarter and he's whispering in your ear i adore it it's my favorite kind of documentary something that feels like it's being broadcast directly to you you know you could see mm-hmm. i've never seen it in the cinema but you can imagine seeing it in the cinema and just not paying attention to anything of people around you it's it's so direct and one-to-one in that way yeah did it get much traction when it came out it did, it, it, it did a little bit it there didn't... were some uh, some very strong critical reactions yeah it got, like it's it's well regarded yeah but his films tend to slip away a little bit in the public conscious. That's mm-hmm. the funny thing. And he hasn't made too many over his career, considering that he's been working for, for something like 30 But he's got like two or three lined up now. Apparently he's got a yeah. little bit of funding and uh, he's ready to kick on. He's like, he's, I think he's in his 70s now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not he's not a young man, relatively speaking. Yeah. And I think he wants to kind of push on with a few films. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm there for them like always because he, he tried. Maybe it's good that he was out in the wilderness. You know, like oh, you, yeah. you see some directors Absolutely. and they've continually worked yeah. and then yeah. they've been shaped by the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it which can really be cynical. and. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I, yeah, I absolutely adore it. A very kind of instructive rewatch for me in that. I think when I watched it 10 plus years ago, I knew that I adored it. I understand better now why I did. But that kind of intensity. The younger you, the older you. Kind of, yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, it's very much about that. Because he's yeah. talking about his boyhood the whole time. It's absolutely terrific. I look forward to your version of Cork. <laughs> Me too. Oh God, can you imagine? Uh, very quickly, we'll talk about The Wolf of Wall Street, which I stumbled home from the pub to find starting on the television. And, you know, this has got to be like 12 o'clock at night. Wolf of Wall Street is quite long. Mm-hmm. It has ads. So, but, but, you're talking about three plus hours then. So, yeah, three and a half, four hours yeah. nearly uh, with all the ads. And I just slumped onto the couch and was like, yep, I'm ready for this. I'm up for this because I adore And I haven't watched it in full since I saw it in the cinema originally. And I remember in the cinema, my one reaction was, what, it's, it's over already? We're done? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It zips by the Scorsese. Tell me. so good. Yeah. yeah well, she's one of the great editors, like, absolutely. that makes stuff flow. Yeah. And yeah, to make and stuff flow seems like you... really casual yeah. kind of skill. It's not. It really Especially isn't. Especially for like... that length of time, you get completely caught up in it. And one of the things that I love about it, it happened to me the first time, happened to me this time as well, is that you eventually kind of go, 
I like this and I'm having fun with this and this is reprehensible. You know, I should be shaking my fist at you. <laughs> Actually, more parties, please. You know, you get caught up. In, yeah. Uh, the debauchery. But then and the... then you realize why everyone else did and how this came to happen, how it's still happening in that kind of the excellent final scene, which tells you how, you know, nothing changed. This guy didn't get punished. Nobody gets punished because Nobody's if you've enough money, you can play tennis in prison. Yeah, yeah exactly. the, the scene where he's coming home and he's, you know, when he, he the, 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 with the, the, the cerebral palsy uh, yeah. scene, I think he describes it. And I, I have campaigned vigorously ever since. The fact that uh, DiCaprio won an Oscar not for that, but for The Revenant is one of the crimes of the century. Yeah, it's, it's the best performance he's ever known. Yeah. No, Paul, Paul Newman for The Hustler. He should have won for The Hustler. The Hustler. Yeah, he yeah. didn't win for the hustler. He won for oh, did the, he win the for color that? Money he won. Yeah. yeah, but it, he's great now. Oh, Paul Newman. Sorry, I thought you were talking about uh, DiCaprio. Leo Sousa. Yeah, no, that's it. There are a lot of bad choices in Oscar history. This stands out to me so. But it's the same as like giving it to Pacino for Central Woman because Pacino just got stuck in a rut for decades mm-hmm. doing that performance. Yeah. yeah. That was the right thing to do. And DiCaprio's probably going to do the same thing, doing Revenant-type performances. Well, he's won an Oscar now, so hopefully he doesn't. I want him to do Wolf of Wall Street yeah. for the rest of his career, because he's brilliant here. Yeah. Uh, I've got more to talk about DiCaprio, but we'll get back to that. Uh, uh, movie are doing uh, Francois Ozon season uh, at the moment. I'm a big-ish fan of him. He's extremely variable in quality. It's I can take or leave my... I've, we've yeah, had this conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. before. I'm a big fan of things like In the House over the last couple of years. Even France, which a lot of people loved, I wasn't crazy about, but I think is fascinating. He does some really good stuff. And yeah. some earlier stuff like 5 by 2 which is part of the movie season. And, um, oh God, they escaped. They're, he's done so many films. Um, there are a lot of his things I love. Criminal Lovers is what I watched. It's one of his first. It's a hot mess. But it's one of those things that you can look back on a filmmaker, you know, much later in their career and go, oh, yeah, there was a lot of really interesting stuff turning up here. It's about a teenage student who encourages her boyfriend to murder another guy for reasons that are a little bit murky. A bit Hitchcockian. That, kind yeah, of, uh, yeah thing. exactly that kind of thing. And he's all, he does that kind of general thriller thing and then messes it up with there's all sorts of uh, sexuality issues thrown in there. Um, they then try to dump the body in the woods but get lost very much Hansel and Gretel style <laughs> and are uh, then kidnapped by a man who throws them into a dungeon where the corpse is also because he's dug that up and he seems to be interested in playing alright I'm in on this so this sounds it's bonkers like. it's absolutely wild it's quite uh, short I think I might watch this because I think it's still a movie actually it's not very good uh, <laughs> fuck why'd you ruin it like? like the, the premise is fascinating yeah yeah you're kind of watching it going what is going on here and it's wild this is one thing I love about Ozan he just commits he goes wild he's like yeah you know what let's pursue this and see where it goes it's a little bit iffy on its female characterization which is kind of a thing that can happen a lot with um, gay male filmmakers that they sort of almost use female characters as pawns that there's a little bit of I want to investigate how men look at each other and how men relate to each other and the women are sort of window dressing that will help me get to my point. The The female character in this sort of suffers from that. She gets nothing compared to the men. But what you do get is some really fascinating camera work on the way that people look at each other. The murder scene itself is incredible. You're talking like Hitchcock, absolutely, but Brian De Palma, that kind of ah, style. Okay, yeah. of With the next is, generation history. Yeah, Hitchcock, yeah, yeah, when you're, you're past the studio system kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's some really fascinating stuff here it doesn't amount to anything very great and I think the ending is absolute nonsense <laughs> but as somebody who is like I'm very interested in Ozan and I want to check out more of his stuff fascinating to see wouldn't necessarily go out and check it out unless you're somebody who's in the same boat 
Okay, interesting. Uh, I had a very brief uh, accidental John Carpenter double bill as well um, <laughs> in The Fog and Escape from New York, which were on movie as a kind of Halloween thing, so we're still on there. Yeah. Uh, I'd never seen either. Actually. No, I haven't seen them. Um, I've seen both. Um, Escape from New York has a really good reputation. Uh, people seem to love it. Uh, I enjoyed it. A lot. I like it, but it's I don't love like it. A slightly low rent Blade Runner in the kind of world building that's going on around it, and then it just does this mad action movie. And you can see, actually, I'm kind of fascinated in watching films like that from a vantage point of now and seeing how I think the likes of Rambo took a, a clear inspiration from this. The way that Rambo ended up going, because obviously this made a lot of money, and it's almost like maybe they should do that. Uh, so it has that kind of interesting. And Russell being a proto Rambo in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, in yeah, the way that like... Hollywood sort of saw the success of things like this and we're like oh let's let's absorb this in there it's great fun i had a lot of fun with it i don't think it's anything major no i not, i, I like it but i i don't love it perhaps as much as yeah. people do. i much yeah. prefer the fog as a, the fog as a i think i yeah. think it's great the fog, is absolutely better. Um, the fog is genuinely really creepy yes it is yeah um, atmospheric and the beauty yeah. it's beautiful i watched it with a friend who quite likes horrors but likes them because she gets very kind of drawn into them mm-hmm. she gets really spooked by these things and she was screaming <laughs> and it's always great to watch a horror with yeah, somebody yeah. who's reacting like that way it's a bit campy and silly oh, it is, yeah. knowingly so it's you know Carpenter is uh, very well aware where he's playing with here his, his ability to kind of straddle tone like that is great like yeah. he'll dip into comedy and he'll be like yes this is ridiculous yes the fog does literally have murderous zombie assassins in it Sailor type That's like the know. scene in the church is a remarkable yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, there's like, some incredible like, there's some great visuals. Hal Holbrook's priest. Yes. Hal, well, Hal Holbrook's like priest. Anyway, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'd agree. And that, that uh, Adrian Bourbonneau's voice in the, at the, radio, the radio DJ station, is yeah, just lull you into yeah, the film. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Completely. It's a very yeah. well realized world, actually. Yeah. It does that sort of Jaws thing of a little world. Yeah, like the Amity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And there is absolutely some fascinating stuff in there about you know oh look at the look what we built this on you know we literally murdered yeah it's all, a, the all the old we, we the natives lepers to get their money. <laughs> God, yeah. this film is hidden depths. I didn't realize. No, it is, but, it, but a lot this of this country stuff is not built on good stuff. There's that horror kind of thing, America, that kind of genocidal. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. we've murdered every native so we can call our own and plant our flag. So that'll all come back eventually. It's most of a lot of American horror, I think, uh, and a lot of filmmakers use it a lot better than others. And I think Carpenter is very good at that. Uh, and then we had the Cork Film Festival, which I have spent uh, some time at over the last week. I was there for about four or five days. Um, saw lots and lots of lots of stuff. They had a, a really good program actually this year. Um, so Evening Redness in the South is a Cork feature premiere, which is always really good to see. Directed by Colin Hickey. Wasn't crazy about this, but it's impressively ambitious. The kind of stuff you don't often see. I mean, you don't see many films from Cork at all, which is <laughs> but um, it has no dialogue whatsoever. It's about mm. five minutes long. It's all about um, the way people look off into the middle distance. The kind of feelings that are communicated and the glances set aside. It's partially on a building side. It's very much about the way men relate to each other and how that shapes society more broadly. I don't think it quite works out everything it's doing, but there are some gorgeous shots. Uh, and it's very impressive as a kind of feature debut. I'd like to see what happens next. This in itself isn't anything that I would you know, be urging people mm-hmm. to rush. But good calling card. But yeah, I think so, absolutely. I'd like to see where where this kind of thing can develop because th- you can't do interesting stuff in a 
there's a clear sense of plot here and you don't need dialogue to tell that necessarily it just doesn't necessarily do anything radical with it so um let's see what comes next okay um system crasher is a german film that's been getting pretty good reviews in the festival circuit directed by Nora Finscheit, which is his name <laughs> isn't it Shite. Um, this is really really good on the care system for kids in Germany so it's uh, this little girl who is an absolute terror to pretty much everybody who tries to fit her within any kind of system whether it's family or a kind of collective home uh, and it's really good on the the cycle that uh, that these kind of systems put people in that you know um, she'll have a sudden outbreak you know, an, an outburst of violence or, or verbal abuse or whatever, and then be put back into this and then just go through and through and through. And you follow her for a very long time. And it's actually really frustrating to watch. There's an, uh, a really, really terrific performance there from Helena Zengel, the young actress. Um, it's it's really frustrating and difficult and upsetting to watch in a way. Okay. Because she's repeatedly um, exploding in anger. Um, Do you watch it, Rona, and kind of go, God, if they only did that with her? Then I she don't won't. think so because I I'm coming from a perspective first of all I'm terrible with kids so <laughs> I, I don't know what to do ever but um, there there is hit it with the shovel <laughs> <laughs> the the sort of sensitivity of the individual care workers is portrayed really well so there's no doubt whatsoever that they're trying to do their best mm-hmm. it kind of gets at the suggestion that maybe the system is broken that the way that we look after people within these very rigid systems. Mm-hmm. Um, might not necessarily be to their best advantage. Um, there's some really interesting stuff going on there, and I think it's uh, pretty pretty well directed in creating that sense of just utter frustration. That's really a really interesting kind of arc because I think a lot of those films, you're always going, oh god, if only they did this or that, and yeah, it's the authorities yeah. are always wrong. Yeah. Um, I seen a film with Ben Foster where he's living in the wilderness with his daughter. Yes, leave no trace. Yeah. That was excellent, but yeah. I, I thought it was really sympathetic how you could see both sides of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And the film you're talking about sounds... Yeah, quite... it was Leave No Trace. There's a sense of, you know, you could potentially watch that film and go, would he not just bring his daughter into, into society? Mainstream but society. Very clear that no, you wouldn't, because look at them. They're, they're treating people horribly as soon as they encounter them. Um, it's, I think it's, it is actually similar to that. There's mm-hmm. a great deal of sympathy for... Um, for all sides in this in a way you know the, the you know, it's not labeling the people who work within the system as mm-hmm. the villains in any sense it's almost the system itself and I realized it's one of those interesting films I realized as I was watching it my anger and annoyance wasn't at the film itself it was what it was for you know he wanted yeah. me to feel that way and that's that's a really effective way to get your points across yep. um, uh, Double Bill of Irish documentaries by Fergal Ward and Adrian Duncan Jay I think you've seen Floating Structures I have and I think they did a follow up out of materials from that uh, they, yeah, they're working on it at the moment. I don't think it's premiered. Oh, okay. Yet. But uh, Flow Switcher, I really liked. Yeah, they, they showed the memory room alongside it, which is a 22 minute short. About, okay. Um, a guy who was tasked in the 50s with going to Finland to source the trees tall and plentiful enough to make the telephone poles in Ireland, which is a really good jumping off point for a film. <laughs> and it's a recreation of him just trudging across the snow. <laughs> brilliant i kind of like the sound of that really sucked into it it's just a lot of overhead and behind shots of a guy trudging through snow and seeing these (laughs) tall things it's intoxicating in a really weird way i was like why am i addicted to this (laughs) i don't know but i am uh floating structures has a much more kind of structure appropriate to it 
um, all about uh, a completely fictional engineer who wants to go off and investigate the work of the Irish engineer who uh, designed, or not designed, but uh, helped build the uh, Pompidou Centre in France, yep. and then sort of follows him around Europe looking at different bridges and other yep. things he built and other other structures around Europe. It's really fascinating because I don't know much about architecture. I'd be the same. Um, this, it, it's a, when I watched it, it was a bit of a learning curve. Um, I don't know much about architecture mm. in the actual sense, like of yep. how do you see it, yep. how do you see the world, and that makes it tricky. But I do think this was really interesting and beautifully shot. Yeah, it is it's absolutely gorgeously shot, and like uh, Fergal Ward certainly has done some really interesting documentaries in the past couple of years. Um, he's one of those wave of Irish documentarians, I think, that are really pushing the yep. boundaries of the form here. Um, so the more we get from them, the better. I'm interested to see the follow up. That's you know almost like a like a parallel film in a I, way that they I think they shot a lot of material and realized they had two films yeah, rather than I one. think it might have premiered at the Dublin the IFI Doc Fest okay, I right, think right. Uh, I, I, might, I read certainly read something about it that was yeah. showing somewhere I think yeah, yeah. but I'd be ha- I'd be fascinated to see it as well just to throw something very random in about throw away. <laughs> uh, Frank Lloyd Wright his great granddaughter was Anne Baxter from All About Eve oh. and I Stop. would yeah I would there is a very fascinating murder that happened in Frank Lloyd Wright's house that I recommend you read about. Oh. Mass murder. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Doom, doom, doom. <laughs> True crime podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like it. I'm in. That's my random. <laughs> Is I that like for it. the day? Very good. Uh, I will quickly run through a couple more things. Uh, Awkward Film Festival. If I may. You may. Of course um, you may. I didn't log all the way down south. Not to For nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, bunch of kind of international European films there were a handful that were not very good let's not waste time on them yeah a uh, really great Chinese film that I absolutely adored called To Love To Sing uh, this is all about a, a theatre in uh, a province in China that is rapidly industrializing as is much of the country um, this was shot over two years and what I love about it is the way that you see skyscrapers slowly getting taller in the background kind of an incidental thing you get the sense of growth. They never really talk about, oh, our community is changing. You see it. It's always there. Um, China has a really strict, rigorous uh, censorship regime for, for films, especially. Uh, this one has the stamp of approval, and it's one of those things that, like, Chinese films get this massive, glowing stamp of approval. It's there at the start of the things. It's like, you know, the You're almost selling the country, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that it did is absolutely wonderful because it's really critical of the way that China is, is changing. You know, it kind of makes this implicit point that you're losing a lot of cultural diversity to build this uh, this new state that it's become in the last couple of decades as it's grown internationally. Somewhat capitalist, say. I think yeah, we can, yeah, we can yeah, say that. Yeah, absolutely that capitalism. In, but well, see, the, the technically the communist party is... still very much yeah. communist. Yeah, yeah, they're absolutely embracing capitalism. And it gets at that idea that, you know, if you commodify culture, as you do in terms of uh, what the actors here in the state shows they do, you lose a lot and you may have a more um, a, a sort of economically better off uh, community, but you have one that has less of a cultural identity. It does that really beautifully with a lot of really nice, sweet performances and a tone that's kind of it's sweet. They engage in a lot of the shows they do, a lot of their stage performances, which are really costume and colourful but it's really wearisome as well and just tired it has the sense that yeah we're done and we know it. Mm-hmm. We, we, mm. we're done for it and we know it and 
pretty subtle critique. Yeah, yeah, it's it's this idea that progress, but at what cost? Yeah. Um, I really love this. Okay, um, sounds I, great. I hope it manages to get a release. I mean, the fact that it has the censorship board behind it and everything suggests that it'll get international sales, so it would be really... And I think it did premiere in Cannes, so it should have a bit of a springboard to get out, uh, get out wider. Uh, we had a midnight movie screening as well of Tetsuo, the Iron Man, which I had never seen, um, which is this absolutely mad J-horror from the... Well, it's not even horror, it's, like, it's practically comedy. From the late 80s, shot in 16mm, it's a game only about 70 minutes long. Um, it's nuts. It's about this man who keeps like inserting bits of metal into his body <laughs> and becoming this weird superhero, like... Iron Man type thing. This is not a documentary. Then, no. <laughs> it's crazy. Like it starts, and within about a minute, you get a really weird scene where you're like, "What the hell is going on here?" It just doesn't let up for seventy minutes. Everyone there seemed to lap it up, except for the two people who left after a while, because it's a lot. In fairness, um, it's got a lot of weird stop motion animation, really, really creative. A lot of body horror. It's like a David Cronenberg film at points. Um, absolutely nuts. I've never quite seen anything like it. Hmm. <laughs> I've heard of it but I've never seen it all this weird stuff of as he gets more metallic the man starts spewing bile and looking at the camera and being like it'll be fine it's like neck <laughs> a blast the perfect midnight movie it, it started at something like half eleven on the Driscoll which is an old converted church and it was, it was quite a thing to see it sounds like something Richard Stanley would come out with <laughs> and yeah. he's back he is he is <laughs> he's wild back ass. from the jungle <laughs> finally a uh, quick one on the Screen Ireland shorts. The Screen Ireland premiered a new batch of 10 shorts here, as they did in Galway earlier in the year. Um, a handful of these I didn't like much at all. Uh, they're very much in the shadow of Black Mirror, these kind of sci-fi setups that are, you know, pointing to, ooh, isn't it weird how the world has changed? Like, no, I knew that. Stop telling me things I already know. They're just, they're, they're bland and boring. I'm sick of them. Um, in better news, six of these 10 were directed by women. Uh, Excellent. Screen Ireland made a point of saying that beforehand that they, they've undertaken a lot of initiatives in the last couple of years to improve diversity and gender and it's working well. A lot of their funding is, uh, you know, it, it's having a real impact. There are a lot of women writers on these films as well, which is really good to see. And a lot of the films directed by women are really great with their funding. My favourite by far was The Grass Ceiling directed by Isolde Howlett uh, which is a, docu- a sports documentary about uh, various um, Irish female sports players. Uh, now I know less than nothing about sports I can verify this you know <laughs> you would know even less than that uh, yeah. about anything whatsoever this is based on an essay written by Ema Ryan who I googled she plays Camogie for Cork there you go there's uh, the link because I wouldn't have known that mm-hmm. at all I know nothing about sports again um, but this film got me really interested because it's all about you know it's it's intercut shots of women playing sport with interviews with them but never done in that kind of boring talking head style it's actually a really engaging interesting visual style because um, it's i suppose it's interesting i always think like you have celebrities like pop stars and rock stars that can coast that they can have like oh, an, an image or yeah. but yeah. to be a, a sports personality you have to have complete drive and conviction yeah, yeah, yeah. and then to be a woman who plays sports and gives up all that time yeah, yeah you know it's a certain personality type and a drive mm. and that which makes for very interesting people i think yeah, yeah. and this this film exactly is very very good at portraying that at getting to the bones of those personalities beneath you mm-hmm. know, get a kind of shining a spotlight on these women who are 
absolutely extraordinary. It is so, so funny. There's a lot of just throwaway lines about, like, you know, uh, somebody came up to me the other day and said, is there any man around who can help me lift this? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> There's a lot of very, very funny, great stuff in here. I loved it. I really hope it gets shown, you know, far and wide across the country and further beyond, indeed. Uh, Christy is a short film by Brendan Canty, who's done a handful of things. Uh, most uh, well-known for directing that Hosier song music video for that. That was some time ago i have no idea that's music i eat my mouth it was, uh, did mad business online for whatever did it? reason yeah oh, okay crazy amounts of views um very good uh, short filmmaker um this is in terms of screen Ireland funding like i love that they came along and talked about what they're doing to improve diversity uh, in terms of gender they could do more with regional balance by far you very rarely see anything shot or set in cork made by screen Ireland. And that goes for other parts of the country as well. Mm. Absolutely. You're saying there's a Dublin boy thrown? Can you believe what? it? What? Can you believe <laughs> it? I'm shocked. I'm shocked and appalled. Um, and you could tell just how much that was the case by the reception this film got. Uh, big theatre in Cork. Uh, just like the house was nearly shouted down at the reaction to this film. Partly because it's really, really good. It's this story of uh, a kid who has dropped out of school at 16 uh, in Knockmahini, a working class area in North Cork City. Um, and he goes to a job interview is pretty quickly found out to uh, have had his CV doctored where nothing is actually true on it whatsoever like most people yes. CV yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, but it matters of course of course you're, of course it is <laughs> yeah like um, but it uh, it's really really funny that kind of um, deep sense of community that runs through it you know you, you get a lot of scenes of him hanging around with his friends um, and it, ha- it has an absolutely terrific end just really wraps up with the sense that uh, the, the community has a real heart around it but it doesn't shy away from the reality that there's <laughs> nothing mm-hmm. um, there's there's no kind of uh, decent resources made available here and I'm re- sorry Ron I'm surprised that um, Cork hasn't got more funding when you look at the Young Offenders now and I, I just read that it not which is totally outsourced to the BBC as well oh yeah but it's it's not feedback off BBC 3's top rated show so it's yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's doing phenomenally well and you think that people would just kind of coast on the back of that yeah because even there's a lot of like very particular core humour that obviously translates it's working for, for a lot of people in, in audiences international and, and otherwise yeah yeah absolutely um, other highlights there were Sister This directed by Claire Byrne which is about a, a porn actress working in London who has a phone conversation with her sister looking after her kids back in Dublin which is really really good on that sounds wrenching yeah, it's it's actually kind of quite funny okay. in in a few ways, but it is it's it's that really difficult conversation about um, the idea of maybe having to sell yourself to survive, but maybe that's a kind of you know that's a choice. It's it's mm. not very clear cut. You know, mm. there's an argument between them, a back and forth argument about you know it's I I have the power to make these choices for myself. And, you know, I'm I'm doing this of my own free will. Um, and then the question of given your economic circumstances are you it's really really fascinating it sounds kind of like Maggie Gyllenhaal I don't know if you've seen The Deuce um, I've only seen the first season of it. it it's kind of like her character where she becomes more empowered as it goes on but yes. still yeah, yeah. and then they get asking questions around that yeah yeah and trying to fit in that kind of complexity in a 10 minute short it's not easy but it, it's done really really well um, very impressed by that uh, and then two features to finish off I promise I'll stop speaking soon one of my most anticipated films of the year, the decade, the ever, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Celine Sciamma. 
who has done extraordinary work yes. for the last 15 I've years I've seen so. uh, Girlhood and Tomboy. Girlhood yeah. from a few years ago is exceptional. Yeah. Tomboy, I think Tomboy's from about 2010 or yeah. something or so. Um, I really liked it. Gorgeous. I've only seen it like, recently, very recently. Yeah, a gorgeous look at figuring out who you are as a kid. Oh, adore that film. And Waterloo's her first feature from 2006, which is about a girl's swim team and similarly gets at ideas of sexuality, gender, identity. She's really good at all those things. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is her masterpiece in the sense that this is the one where you go, holy shit, she's one of the best in the business. Holy crap, I, okay. I, like this, I was expecting to adore this film. It knocked me sideways in the cinema. It's uh, the story of a painter who is hired to do a portrait of the uh, uh, sort of wealthy heiress who is being married off to an Italian count. Um, it's set in about 1770, so the, the, kind of the manner of the time that there would be a, a portrait done and sent to the prospective husband who would then say, oh, oh yes, she's beautiful. Um, so the the painter, the female painter, uh, is hired, but told that another painter, a man, has failed to do the job, and that she must do it in secret because uh, the bride to be won't pose for the picture. So she has to pretend that she's there as a sort of nurse companion, and they wow. go on long walks together. She takes the chance to look at her in daylight, and then goes back to her room afterwards to paint this portrait. It really fascinatingly ties up the ideas of uh, painting and uh, filmmaking, the w you know the ways of looking that are central to both the idea of the gaze and looking through the camera or looking into a canvas. You're inevitably looking through the eyes of the person who made the film. And Siama understand like her work before this has absolutely been about the idea of how we perceive people. She's always focused on female characters in really fascinating ways. And here, the first couple of shots are just, it deconstructs the idea of how we tend to look at people. You know, they're, it, it, this cycles back to girlhood in a way. Um, the way film technique was developed in the first century of filmmaking uh, favored white skin. Because, uh, cinematographers weren't trained to show anybody weren't that weren't white how to light properly for black yeah. skin because yeah. black people weren't ever seen on film. Yeah, so it didn't it never did. until this decade, yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, or last of, twenty years. You see a lot of Hollywood films that don't light properly for yeah. black skin because they look for white skin and they just bring a black actor in without recalibrating in any kind of way. Uh, she dealt with that in very, girlhood very yeah. very effectively in girlhood. And in the same way, there are sort of ingrained biases in the way that we shoot scenes and shoot and write scenes in how films deal with female characters. She almost entirely strips men out of this film. There are a handful of men who pop up at different points, maybe two lines that men have. So it creates a world entirely of women, the interaction between women, and the sort of blossoming attraction between the two main women here is so beautifully done so painstakingly and slowly done that when it finally amounts to something you just want to scream with delight it's like <laughs> a climax of its own right honestly it's just incredible that you spend the whole film willing them together it has some incredible compositions you know it, it's about a portrait artist to begin with and it has a lot of very painterly scenes again like, like painting isn't something i know a huge amount about but you can spot different references to sort of uh, classical European painting at different points. There's a recurring shot that the first time I saw it, I gasped aloud in the cinema. Just, How did you shoot that? There's a lot of stuff in here that's incredible. I can't 
cannot wait to see it again. It's not released here until I think February of next yeah, year. Yeah, that sounds alright. And that is a prime because you know we have we have some podcasts coming up in our films of the year and the decade, and I expect to hear more of this. Oh, it's it's the best. Well, can't wait to see it. Yeah, I it sounds very interesting. And then the last thing, uh, that was the second last film I saw, Cork. The last film I saw was Jean Dielman, the Chantal Ackerman film ah, yes. from, uh, was it like 74? Mm-hmm. It could be off on that. I think it's 80 something, isn't it? Is it? I think. Oh, God. I'm well uh, it's, it's, uh, it's probably the best film I've seen this year. It is. In, in a, three hours, film. 20 minutes long, 200 yes. minutes. Uh, the story of, if you want to be very broad about it, a widowed housewife who is going about her day. Sorry, 75. Oh my apologies. Oh, wasn't far off. Um, three days in the life of Jean Dielman, who lives in Brussels, uh, cares for her teenage son. Uh, her husband has died not too long ago. She lives in a little apartment. She goes out and she buys veal. She makes a cutlet. She comes back. She looks after her neighbor's baby. Uh, she is a. I don't know if you can call her a prostitute. But no, she, she entertains men for money yeah, of an afternoon yeah, to, to make ends meet. Uh, very formal, very rigid. You get all these often quite long scenes of her going about her day. Chopping vegetables. Chopping mm. vegetables, making the dinner, checking on the potatoes, putting them through the sieve. Is she like a, a gesha or like a... It's, she's, it's, it's, a, it's a routine, certainly. Yeah. It's, um, her life is a routine in yeah. the sense it's yeah. there's no real change. The, the shock, I suppose, is the kind of men coming in and stuff. Mm. But that's takes place almost off camera anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of lulls you into this yes. kind and of that's, mundane. That's exactly what it does. So and well, then the idea when it kicks the shit out of you outside yeah, of that, yeah. it's incredible. But what I found really shocking about this, and this is a film that it, like it has it has a pretty great reputation. It was one of only two films directed by women to make the site instead of top uh, 100, 100 in 2012. Yeah. It's, it's got a great reputation and has had for years, and I've been wanting to see it for years, but I kind of said a chance will come eventually to see it on the big screen so I'll do it when that comes up so I was glad to finally get this mm. it gets at the idea of creating rhythm and routine it does that so rigidly and the length is crucial to that that when you see the slightest deviation from that rhythm it becomes it like a horror film incredible shock literally when she leaves a room without flicking out a light switch I was recoiling in my seat like oh no what's wrong when she drops something on the floor it's like yeah. honestly I was partly terrified because like, you know something's not right now yeah the, it's the a weird the, the editing is incredible in the slightest little way you know when mm-hmm. you and you, you even feel it yourself when you deviate slightly from your rhythm you just feel so thrown out like i i do like routine so this really yeah, got yeah, me yeah, yeah. kind of so so good on that the slightest little links like why did she open the door there she doesn't normally do that until later <laughs> you're, oh. you're in their life like you're in literally in her day to day because it creates this kind of and in space only, in only covering her three days you get so acquainted with her rhythm with her rhythm that, like, i got tremendously really invested got in her life and i really hoped everything would work out okay <laughs> and, and and it becomes a weird kind of thriller even though the pace yeah, never changes yeah, yeah that you actually start to get terrified for her future her everything yeah. and her son who pops in of an evening is oblivious to he's absolutely everything he's a asshole. dope yeah, he's a fucking dope and, a and you're like get out of the room and like, i don't care about you get out of here and it's it's a very strange provocative it's, you know, I, I was I astonished co- by it i really really couldn't believe how much yeah. i was getting sort of upset and yeah. moved by something as, oh, as small as it's incredible or something like that there was just a little a, a complete unease like, something's not right here and i don't like this it, it kind of reminds me and uh, jay you were saying about um 
Bill Shankly, the book about him. Yeah, the David Peace one. Yeah. Where, it, where the repetitive nature of it starts unearthing new things. The kind of mundaneness yeah, of yeah. someone's life. Yeah. And, and how much that can contain. It's multitudes mm-hmm. in little tweaks in mm-hmm. the way the word. That's exactly it. it. And it gets exactly in that kind of point where you're, you're so in rhythm with how she sees the world and how she's like, it's almost like she's aware she's being watched yeah, and it, it's yeah, a, yeah. it just has a strange it, it, there is and it's a really strange feeling that you're part of it now you're in like yeah. you, do you know yeah. what I mean? and it, and, it try, and I, I watched this at home and I was like it's three hours and a bit and I was like Ugh. and I was like will it be able to concentrate it's qu- I heard it's quiet and all the rest of it in. about 40 minutes in I was like I can't stop watching this and about another hour and a half later I was like I don't want this to end then a yeah. bit later I was like Christ did you do that yeah. it's yeah. remarkable it's, really it's absolutely remarkable I could really, like really it really succeeded the expectation I'd heard of it by some distance like it's the best thing I've seen this year by miles anywhere like of any year it's incredible okay I'm chalking it down and watching that oh, you, I, I'd be fascinated to hear what you think about this yeah. it's a remarkable film cool and at last it's me done what <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'm glad I didn't quick. have to go after you I know right it's going to have to be us I okay I've been off sick for a week so I've watched a lot of shit and I mean shit as in <laughs> but I actually that's that's unfair because I, I didn't I, I attempted to watch a lot of undemanding fair I guess it's, it's a technical term right so I'll, I've watched a couple of series of films uh, so I'll, I'll kind of group them together for kind of quickness uh, I started off with the Resident Evil films um, if anybody knows me at all I'm, I have a bit of a soft spot for Paul W.S. Anderson not Paul Thomas Anderson and Hmm? You're wrong. I'm not. He's great. Paul Paul W.S. Anderson made Event Horizon a long, long time ago, which is a really, really good film. Which I've not seen. To be fair. Yeah, it's really good. He also made Soldier with Kurt Russell, which is slightly underrated. I really like it. Um, and he, his wife is Mila Jojovic, and she stars in all the Resident Evil films, all six of them. So I was like, give me a series of films that, like, you know, looks like it could be fun. Don't require too much brain power. And I like Paul W. S. Anderson. I also love Pompeii, which I think is really good that he made. I, I'm, I'm telling you. So <laughs> I, have, I have seen Pompeii. I loved it. I'm not. It's great. Anyway, so I watched them, and I watched all six over a few days, coughing my lungs up. But I had such a blast of this. Like it's a weird thing. Like he directs the first one, which is solid. It's a, one of those solid opening films that are like, yeah, it's grand. Like I could see this. You know, it's not quite. It, you can see that there's a bit of a slight Hang strain on, you made the six bit. of them. He didn't make, he made four of them, I think. Okay. He made the first and then he made the, he made the first one to kick it off and it has this kind of slightly low budget, like they're taking a risk here, let's see if it pays it's out kind of pieces, though, Yeah, yeah. laser sequence and everything. Yeah, oh, the laser sequence is the, it's the ultimate highlight. I think it's a great one and it, it's the series returns to that at various points. Uh, the second one's kind of terrible, he doesn't direct that. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 looks bad. It's not quite as bad as people said. As everybody said, oh, avoid the second one's quite terrible. It's not quite that bad. It's watchable, but it's not great. Uh, the third one, which is a kind of a big change up, it goes to the desert, it has a Mad Max Fury Road vibe off. It doesn't quite work as well as that, but there's some really interesting sequences, including Murder's Crows, to kind of bring you back to the kind of Hitchcockian kind of uh, thing, uh, which actually works quite well. But that, that was fine. And then he comes back to the series for the last three, which is. Um, Retribution, Afterlife, and the final chapter, and they're all kind of great. Like yeah. they're three to four star films. Like genuinely, the last oh, one is fantastic, okay. which is um the final chapter. Uh, and it lets Jovovich just go bonkers. Like she's apeshit from the start, and she's unbelievably 
great physical actors and really she's got she's great presence the camera loves her she's got smarts and yeah. she's very aware obviously during kind of symbiotic kind of thing in terms of being married and everything that they know she knows what he can do yeah. and vice versa like and it works tremendously well uh it, like there's some kind of derivative stuff in it like the stuff you've yeah. seen in various other films or whatever but it has its own style like i mean he's a very visually interesting director even take aside whether you like something or not he knows sure. how to construct a sequence yeah, and absolutely. make it kind of sing and like that's kind of all i want from a, a franchise can, can i ask here you can ask um i have seen the first one yes which i didn't like partly because i had liked the video games as a kid yes and I love the horror aspect of them, which the first one has almost none of it. Yes. It's a bit actiony. Does it? Does the series have any kind of attempted horror in it? A little bit. Not... I, I, the only... It kind of hits... I think it's the f- Retribution, which is the fifth one, I think, yeah. uh, that leans into the computer game okay. thing more than any of the others. And that's what makes it really good. Um, uh, it's really well put together there's a great opening sequence I mean really mm. great opening sequence and there's echoes of aliens in there as well like mm. uh, I really liked it uh, it doesn't quite go to horror yeah. the way to see the, the, the franchise with the world no but I think the as it gets it gets stronger like once yeah. you get past yeah. the first three and the first like I, I like the first one I like the third and the second one yeah but the the last three are great. Do you like, recognize I, the dangers here of saying once you get past the first three. Oh no no <laughs> I, no! What I'm saying is nothing is a Tokyo Drift. Like the, I'm not saying that all of them are worth their, your time. Yeah. What I'm saying is the up in quality. The Tokyo Drift is a full stop. Yeah, which is I I I have attempted to watch the Fast and Furious movies and to get past the Tokyo mm. Drift, which is one of the worst ones I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> it's not like you can't kind of ignore the first four and then go to. It's not that. You did watch four, didn't I you? I did. Yeah, it's okay. It's not great, um, but. The, like the first one is really well done and really enjoyable. The second one, everybody's like, oh, it's terrible. But it's not. It's actually okay. Yeah. But it's just merely okay. The third one similarly has some good ideas. So they're fine. And it, I, if you're looking for undemanding kind of uh, sci-fi stuff, it's not They're not terrible. And then you get significantly better when he returns to the director's chair. That's good. That's all do you think saying. a franchise should run longer than three three films? I do, yeah. If if done well, I think... Is like, the fever gone? It depends on what you're... Yeah, it is a little... But it depends on what you're doing, though. Like this, I could see twenty Resident Evil films. There's not, there's not, the thing that, there's a continuity thing that doesn't really matter to some yeah, degree. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like in a way, franchises have got to that point where they're a bit like a TV show. It's like, ah, yes. oh, get past the first five episodes, it gets mm-hmm. good. Then do you know the way some people will say that to you about it? Yeah, but a twenty-four episode. TV I think show. this, yeah, exactly that. I I did that with twenty-four literally years ago. So I was years after everybody else watched. It, like you should watch twenty-four. It's great. And I watched it. I was like, I was about seven or eight hours in. I was like. All right, and then about ten hours in, it's like, oh, the story's being resolved. It's like, there's another fourteen episodes of the day. What happened? <laughs> I got the end of the first season. I was exhausted. I was exhausted. I stopped watching. I couldn't watch it anymore for that reason. But anyway, it gets better after the fourth season. Stop. <laughs> um, I'll move on to my second series, which is the Final Destination films. Uh-huh. Which the first one. Series. Doesn't five. Uh, it's actually pretty easy. Uh, the first one I'd seen in the cinema when it came out way back in the day in 2000. Jeez, I'm old. Uh, which I, I yes. Is this a film where people die and kind of try Yes. To, yeah, okay, yeah. And it, the, I think you remember the first Most of the fun of this whole sequence, our whole series, is literally the fact of how people can die and how inventively fun it can be mm-hmm. or whatever. Right? The first one is really great. I, I'd forgotten most of it. I, That's I, the I, sound I, of running leaving. 
Yes. <laughs> Can't blame him. Uh, but this has a kind of thing where he gets off the plane. There's a thing where, he, you know, he has a vision on the plane. He, he panics and gets off the plane. And a few people get off with him. And then the plane bursts into flame in the air. So there's a kind of an Old Testament God's like, no, lads, you shouldn't get off the plane. I'm coming after you kind of thing. Which mm-hmm. it actually leans into that really well. And it's spectacularly put together. And the editing is really smart as well. I, I remember the first one, just like the kind of shock factor yeah. of the deaths. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly. Yeah. And the, it ends really well as well. So... I was like, all right, I don't think I'd see, I think I might have seen the second one, but I can't recall it mm-hmm. before this. But it's like, I'm going to watch them all. Second one, again, this is a weird thing about thing. There's a new cast, right? So this is obviously. Did they ever get a big actor into that franchise? Well, see, now and again they do. Uh, and I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, I, well, I'm not going to actually, I should over, it's not quite a big actor, but uh, somebody you recognise. <laughs> uh, the second one has nobody you recognise and the cast quite aren't quite engaging. But they, there are inventive death sequences and a really good opening. Uh, and plenty of blood, which kind of again adds to like how can somebody die most spectacularly in the most mm-hmm. violent way. I always feel like it's Hollyoaks with with big effects. Yeah, not a, <laughs> yeah, not far off in some ways, but it can be fun depending on how the, well the script is written, how mm-hmm. well the film's directed. The third one has a uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead who was in um, Fargo and oh, you know, um, Ewan's yes, Ewan's new yes, love, that he left love, his wife yes. or, or whatever. Uh, she's the main person in it, um, and. This there's a there's a sense of deja vu in the third one where it's like all right I feel like I've seen all this before okay. despite her she's good, uh it's not bad it's just a little bland there's a great sequence on sunbeds that's fantastic explosively awful <laughs> uh, <laughs> sunbed sequence which is really great it's about the best thing in the film but it's not not brilliant then I got to the fourth one and the fourth one is dog shit of the highest order it's called the final destination as the most <laughs> final destination right so you get to the fourth one and it's like somebody has figured out there's an accountant somewhere that figured out these films are making money but what if right if we take about 40% of the budget and try to make it for cheap we can eke out even more money right it was a terrible idea they've got bad actors really bad CGI to replace actual physical effects which the third first three films do really really well uh, it's dog shit it like it feels <laughs> Tell us what you really it think. feels overstretched and it's 81 minutes long oh, no, yes cheap cgi really forgettable cast i think there's one one good sequence on an escalator where somebody gets pulled into the underside of an escalator which is really oh, well done oh i have yeah yeah i know right uh that's the only thing in it that's where and that lasts about a minute and uh, like so 80 minutes is well, dog shit yeah so right we get to the final destination five which was <laughs> When was this? 2011. Any, any notable directors on any of these? No. James Wan, I think the first okay. one, uh, was kind of relatively notable. I think the rest are just people I've never heard of. I'm probably going to hear of again. But the fifth film is the best film of the series. Oh. Which is shocking. Uh, do they up the budget again? They do. They, they realise they're mistaken the fourth one. And you can clearly see the difference. Like, genuinely, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you can see 30 million bit now or something. It's really <laughs> remarkable to see. Um, All this, those letters paid off, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> well, indeed. <laughs> Like threatening phone calls but this is great fun uh, it's proper proper FX again a good cast that's in terms of personality wise and sparking and a little bit brilliant sequences and a final act that's kind of dazzling and fits into the kind of series in a really brilliant way and I kind of loved it I found it tremendous like I had great fun with the last one it's like holy shit they did that oh, that's a really well and now maybe people saw it but they watched it I'm terrible I'm notably terrible yeah, for never yeah. seeing things coming and is I don't there, want to see them, so I'm kind of okay with that. Is there some kind of overarching plot here? Uh, I don't want to say, except because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to ruin your yeah, viewing sure, of them sure. when you eventually get to the room. <laughs> uh, Sick. But it's great fun. I, I, I'd hardly reckon. Yeah, if you get a chest oh, infection. Well, you know, this is the best of the series. How good are we talking on overall terms? Like a normal <laughs> Two and a half stars. For, like a, no? out of 
five. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, one and a half of the fourth one, just as a oh, comparative Jesus. thing. But uh, great fun. Uh, and I'll finish briefly. Uh, can I? Can I stop? Three and a half out of like that franchise or out of normal films? Normal films. <laughs> <sighs> Whoa. How bad was this fever? Fairly bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, I lastly, very lastly, I rewatched two Scorsese films because, you know, who wouldn't? Yeah. Woof, woof. Uh, <clears throat> I rewatched Guys of New York, um, which I kind of love. Um, it helps when I went to the Shinichetta and seen the actual uh, God, bit of the set that was gross. left in Rome a couple of years ago uh, in the, the studio. There's, you can see Marty's glasses. I know, yeah. And there's like a bit of the set left. There's, I missed it by a year. The whole street from the streets oh. in Gangs New York was there and I missed it, which is really annoying. But um, Did it get burned down? I don't know. I think he took it away uh, for other thing. Um, this is really interesting film because it's it's messy as fuck. But there's incredible stuff in it, like incredible stuff. Um, it's shot in these weird shades of manky brown with slashes of blood red all the way through it, and the kind of the price for the the physical price for the modernity of New York or America that's coming, like of this kind of brutal savagery that again these people replace the people that originally own the country and so on mm. then the people that come in are the worst people because they're foreign and all this kind of stuff that never stops and never never stops the Tammany Hall stuff is, is good like yeah the, the politics yeah. oh yeah yeah I hated it. Did I watched it? it again. That's and really I, interesting. I, I really liked it. I think it's incredible. I think it's messy as fuck. Well. I like I think it has major problems. But it's I, so Irish. Oh yeah I, so... I, I, do you know what the, the kind of accent stuff and all that thing that did irk me for years was massively less so in this watch weirdly and i really like the sets are great and interesting enough there's i don't think there's anything made that's been like it since like it's a very strange Good. beast but it no that's fair enough and and i would have had i have issues with it it's not i'm not going to bat for it completely but i i, I find it kind of remarkable in its own way like i haven't seen it since maybe a year or two after it came out i watched it on dvd and now we're talking that's what years ago or something like that um i wasn't crazy about it but i was also extremely young so i'd like to come back to it and see i'd be interested i'd be in, like i if somebody doesn't like it, and there's there's loads who don't like it and include myself not too good few years ago long, that i can see it i know why people have problems are it's like it's kind of obvious but uh, the ambition and the kind of scope of it is sure. really fascinating to me and again it's a very fascinating and beautifully shot film but uh, yeah, I kind of loved it. Speaking of something I loved even more on rewatch than I haven't seen in years, I rewatched Shutter Island. Oh, I see Shutter Island. I could, I could watch again, and I think I would enjoy it. I, um, I think it's incredible. <laughs> I think Shutter like I I liked Shutter when it came out. I saw it in the cinema. Uh, I liked it. I liked it in a kind of solid late Marty fair of that kind of mid twenty first century two thousand and ten. I think he's like. It's a it's a good film, really I well made. I doubt that it was Scorsese that made yeah. that. It's a kind of you know it's a genre piece and it's mm. a solid one. And then I rewatched a couple of years later and I kind of felt the same. Like it was grand. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with it. So I hadn't watched it in like seven years. Uh, so I stuck it on and it blew me away. Like it genuinely knocked me sideways in ways that I was stunned by. Wow. I know. It, like I was like, holy shit! How would I not ever see this? It's this kind of weird. Uh, daylight horror film which is the only way i can describe it, it it's it it's this traumatic 
brilliantly drenched horror show of people and dead bodies and loss and dead children and misery. Who plays the, the wife in it? Uh, Michelle Williams. Who yeah, was she's great. consistently good. She's great. There's a sequence with her. Yes, she's also there. There's a sequence she's with DiCaprio a... thinking back to when he's in a room with Michelle Williams where they're together, which is one of the best things Scorsese's ever filmed. It's unbelievably well done. And it's a fantasy sequence, so lots of strange things happen. But the whole film is a constructed fantasy sequence anyway. Mm-hmm. And Scorsese's very much playing with film in terms of what stories we believe, how we sure. show them, and the idea of how we reconstruct our lives away from horror because, you know, the actual horror of what we commit, what we do is too much for us. So we kind of rehabilitate ourselves. Yeah. Never in a million years would I, would, like, I just didn't associate with Scorsese. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's really sad and really desperate look at that kind of horrors we do and the horrors we bear witness to. And it has an ending, which <clears throat> I don't mind saying I misinterpreted when I saw when I was younger um, and saw it in one way when it's quite clearly to my older self, very different in terms of how somebody escapes or doesn't escape their kind of what they deserve I mm-hmm. guess for want of a better way it's, it's it's kind of amazing I loved it absolutely loved it I really must go back to this because I, I remember seeing it in the cinema at the time and not being crazy about it yeah um, now again can't you know, that was nine years ago I can't quite remember why I, I do was remember some specific parts that annoyed me I distinctly remember Ben Kingsley whipping a sort of a velvet cover off a board and using it to explain the plot to Leo. Oh Gabriel. yes, but that works so well now. That, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's really rare. Like I, I hope yeah, you rewatch it. I'm playing with that kind of yeah. structure. Oh, it, it's very rare. If it's it's a haunted house thing, it's yeah, like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Ben Kingsley's clearly the evil guy, but it's not. It's yeah, not yeah. pretending he's not, yeah. or maybe it is, but it's not a. I don't really want to like. It's yeah. worth. It's kind worth of a revisit. It, honestly, it's top tier Scorsese for me. Like, you, it's amazing. Do you know what film I I um absolutely adored when I went to see in the cinema and then rewatched it The Departed and it just did not work no for me. I, I, I'm the same actually I uh, was like you'd seen The Wizard of Oz and it was like <laughs> that's just a man behind that screen it, it just yeah. it did nothing for me I, it was I, like how I, are I, it's got worse to me on significant rewatch I will rewatch it again just to make sure but uh, yeah I, I'm similar I was really annoyed that it was just like but it's so obvious that the the yeah, I'd yeah, agree. I'm not, and I'm these not people agreeing. must be idiots if they don't realise it. And they're, yeah, anyway. Yeah, anyway. That's my beef. <clears throat> anyway, that, that that's me for the week. Uh, that's only took four hours. Um, <laughs> ready for some uh, film news? You yes, crazy please. people. Women in Film and TV announced that the Belfast Media Festival, the application wrote for its pioneer new mentor scheme in Northern Ireland. Excellent. They had this in London for the last decade. Um, in terms of new standards for training and new people coming in and mentoring programs and it gets kind of top industry players whoever they are to be announced uh but in northern ireland has been offered the same we might see this in the, in the south at some point who knows um but belfast is a thing that's happening and these people like uh i don't know who they have they have got people <laughs> anyway who knows but there's people coming Bad in to do the thing and you can apply i think Da, 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 at wftv.org.uk Sounds like uh, and there's a yeah good mentors and mentors and mentees mentees and is a nice word actually and mentos yeah if you want to get a mentos you can have that as well <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it sounds great um, also Netflix 
have announced Vikings Valhalla, a follow-up for Vikings, if you've ever seen it. I have seen it. It's No, 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 but they've taken on the new series and it's going to be filmed in Wicklow uh, as for studios. Uh, I watched uh, Vikings for a couple of seasons and stopped watching it for various reasons, mostly because they do a stupid thing. A lot of TV shows to do where they go, ooh, we're doing this, we're doing this. And the last episode, you pull away from it because it's the cash cow and it really hurts. You only do two seasons in a row. Right, gotcha. Yeah, so, uh, and... Guy, what's that, what's that? Sons of Anarchy do exactly the same thing. Uh, it's really irritating. But, but they really rescued things when they went to Ireland. Yes. So this one is a, a new one, uh, a kind of a, I don't know if it's a sequel or a continuation or it's a new original series anyway. And a lot of Irish actors were in the original um, Viking show, including Mo Dunford and Ferdy Walsh Pico and stuff like that. So Gabriel it does Byrne actually. Was in, wasn't he? Hmm? Gabri- sorry, Gabriel Byrne was in it. Was he? Yeah. I can't remember that. Yeah. Will they be bringing such people back? I have no idea. Uh, finally investing in Ireland well I don't know it's not exactly how I'd seen it this is one of these international kind of yeah. stuff I think uh, with international producers and whatnot. Uh, so we, we, we're not exactly investing in Irish product in if a lot of ways if you're listening which we know you are yeah do that, invest please. in more Irish product for fuck's sake uh, but yeah they, they've done a few things they produce stuff like uh, My Father's Dragon which is Cartoon Saloon stuff has been done in Ireland and The Night night Before Christmas which is one of those films was partly filmed in Ireland as well so it's not great but it's not you know it's not bad Uh, you know they they very much could do better must try harder they do Um, they should See me after class. Film has commenced <laughs> in Belfast for Virgin Media's uh, television brand new crime thriller series, The Deceived. The Deceived. Oh, this is um, Lisa McGee the, from. Yes, sorry, exactly. stealing your best lines. No, yeah, go ahead. Uh, who made uh, Dairy Girls? Um, oh, okay. And this is a four-part drama. Well, a lot of interesting yeah, I. She's great. I mean, Dairy Girls, fantastic. Uh, it's a compelling, sinister narrative. Are you ready? Yeah. Of lust, manipulation, Ooh. and betrayal. Ooh. What more do you want? Um, and this this is uh, going to be good. I think a few people that E. McElhenney was in Derry Girls World is going to be in it, and various other people who I could name, but I'm not going to. Is E. McElhenney <laughs> the guy from um, Paths to Freedom? Right? Yes. Yeah, he's very he very good. Yeah, yes, yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, that 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 is being made at the moment. I'm excited. Very good. Are you excited? I can't wait. I'm very excited. Jesus, lads, you're very good. I, <laughs> I like your positivity. Uh, are you ready for the top ten then? Yeah. Thank you, Ronan. Uh, at number 10, Terminator's Dark Fate. Haven't I, seen it. I'm not going to spend any time on <laughs> this. It made half a million. I talked to a couple of people at work who'd seen it when they were uh, away for business and one of them said it was one of the worst films they've ever seen. <laughs> ever. And, he's, and he said, like, I've actually, when I'm away, I've always seen something that's even broadly entertaining. I don't mind. And he said, because he saw Zombieland as well, which the sequel, which he thought was grand and enjoyed it because it was nonsense. And he says, this was even, like, appalling. It, wasn't even, it was worse than the previous sequels. And yeah. Luke was not a fan no uh, nobody should be and hopefully that'll be the death of the Terminator franchise please Bye. stop Ugh. at 9 Midway which is um, Roland That's... Emmerich's kind of oh god yeah. he's kind of spending his own money to something his own studios when he's trying to bring a big epic in the yeah. Ala Pearl Harbor oh yeah uh, it's made 130,000 so remarks that house Roland <laughs> yeah so uh, it's not done well apparently it's dog shit despite being no visually impressive in terms of no, terrible stone I don't. I don't mind uh, Independence Day, but aside from that, no, 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 no. Twenty years past his prime. Yeah, indeed. At eight, Sean the Sheep movie. I love saying this. Farmageddon. <laughs> it's just. It's just so nice to say. Yeah. Like, like yeah. give it a go. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, this has been five weeks uh, and it's made over half a million, so this is good. I, I haven't seen it. I will see it at home, I suspect, at some point. Mm-hmm. But the first Sean Sheep movie is Aces. And would recommend if you haven't seen it. At seven, and Louise, you're up. <laughs> so the Good Liar. This film made such an impression on me. I've been calling it The Good Thief. And the <laughs> that was a Neil Jordan film uh, with Nick Nolte. Uh, the oh, Good Thief, which this is, is weirdly not good, but kind of good. This is one of those, like, I have to get out of the house and get in cabin fever. There's yes. absolutely no. nothing on. I'll go and see this. So, first of all, you have to get into the, um, get around the idea of Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen being a likely um, match. I can kind of see it. <laughs> but he's, no. no, well, she's very slinky and sexy still, and he's like he's 110. No, he's Gandalf. Fair. <laughs> so, like, fair. And then... It tricks along, right? And you, you're kind of watching and you're going, yeah, it's better than being cooped up in the house. And then it takes this really... I hope you put that on a poster. <laughs> it's better than going mad. What else it's, be- it's, better <laughs> being, it's better than being chained in the basement. <laughs> and then and then it just takes this weird kind of like... Do you know when you were a kid and you were um, you had that game where somebody drew the head and then you fold the paper and somebody drew the leg or the torso and somebody drew the legs? I think that might be a country thing, Louise. I don't think I've, that, I've oh, had experience that. You probably had television. We did. Uh, we did. We did. But my God, it is like somebody just got the piece of paper and then just squiggled all over it. It just goes on this weird tangent. Um, yeah, just... It's made anyway. more than Midway. Which, sorry, Roland. Well, that was my fault. Uh, I apologize. Yeah, but in fairness, yeah, you, you were the one. Uh no, no. A big no. Okay. A big yeah. Thank you, Louise. I'm I'm I'm. I not, took one I'm for the not. team there. You're a you're a trooper. <laughs> we 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 need people like you. <laughs> Sacrifice, uh, you know our Sacrifice our own, our own Japanese pilots plowing their planes <laughs> into Gazi, the sea. Yeah. We appreciate that. At six, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, which has made 1.2 million despite everybody despising it, apparently. No. Uh, Not yeah. For me. But it's Disney, so they make every penny because they own everything, the bastards. <laughs> uh, let's move on. They should be shot. At five, Abominable, one of the Universal's animated things, and we all know animated movies make money. It's made a million quid. I think uh, Niall of this Parish Brothers kids see it, and then they very much enjoyed Did he? Uh, that has to be checked. I think he did. I think that was okay. Uh, I might be just putting words in it, but too late. Doesn't make any difference in record now. Let's see what I do. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see him try. Edit me. Uh, yeah. At four, the Adams Family, another animated film, because that's all this release normally says. Uh, <laughs> made one point three million, and they they just keep making money. It doesn't matter. What, like the reviews don't matter. People just, stop having to have good children. Like they're just. Really this is Catholic them. Ireland. They just kids didn't even see the live action film. How dare they? Bastards. But uh, yeah, it makes money. Jesus, that was make money. At three, a film that will never ever leave the top ten. Joker, six point two million. Three. Yes, I enjoyed it. Did you? I, I haven't been here, so I, you Tell probably me. had Hit this. Me. Give us the verdict. Yeah, I, haven't, I, I haven't seen it, so what? I, I, no. Please, I just watch Scorsese films. I want to see Scorsese ripoffs. Oh yeah, no, there, there is there is a very um <laughs> um. The, gee, I can't even think of the film's name now King of Comedy King of Comedy just kind of underpins the whole thing mm. but Wacking is amazing he's just he's brilliant and yeah I did like it but for me I just like the kind of campy Batmans I like the Tim yeah. Burton's over the top let's have a bit of fun with this Um, when Christopher no- I don't like Christopher Nolan and I know you're not supposed to say that and I know you're not supposed to you've like- got a film fatwa on you know uh, oh my there. god and you're not supposed to say you don't like Heath Ledger's performance either and like, yeah 
Yeah. Fire yeah. takes from uh, Louise this week. Whoa. All of the rules. Um, no, I, and I, I just thought, okay, Two Minds about a very good, very interesting film. Um, but a li- I, I like my villains to just be in Arkham Asylum with the straight jacket tackling away. Sure. I don't like to go into the depths of mental illness. In a CBA, With those kind of franchises. Mm-hmm. So very conflicted, like beautifully shot and like they have cream in the soundtrack gary fisher oh. in the soundtrack they've really yes, like yes. interesting choices very stylistic good cinematography um yeah i liked it but i'm a bit conflicted because i like my batman franchise just be fun yeah that's fair 60s with bomb written on bombs yeah. and stuff yeah listen, i listen i'm done days you just it's true <laughs> it's true I, i'm not gonna say it because i don't care I'll, i might catch it at some point it's worth eventually. it's worth saying uh, definitely worth saying uh, i don't know i think you should go see it right after this i think you should stop talking nonsense <laughs> um at two le mans 66 aka ford versus ferrari aka the lads driving cars oh i will see this i probably won't see this because, yeah that's the only thing right i i've seen the trailer for this and it's i you watch trainers like a, I feel like I've seen this film before I've seen the trailer. B, I've seen like I've seen this film after I've seen the trailer. <laughs> it, do, you, do you know that kind of you you know all the yeah. bumps, plots, yeah. and beats? And I'm sure it's kind of well done and whatever, but it just feels like you know just watch an old Steve McQueen film and you'd be grand. Like, do you know that kind of way? Yeah. And uh, Matt Damon and Christian Bale are no Steve McQueen, like. No. But who is? You well, know. indeed, yeah. I know. No, you're, I, I, I think... know you're a McQueen stand. Uh, you're a big McQueen stand, Louise. Bum 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 bum. Yeah. Stop, steady, steady. <laughs> uh, I. Listen, I I think there be there are a lot of fans of this. This kind of stuff does play well, um, and obviously people are going to see it. But uh, I'll just... be in my nostalgic retro yeah, heaven. Yeah, I, I like it. Speaking of dog shit films, people are inexplicably <laughs> seen at one last Christmas. Uh, this has got an absolutely shocker of views. But who doesn't like musically kind of <sighs> crowbarred in George Michael songs? Apparently, it's appalling. I'm a little bit disappointed that Emma Thompson has written this. I know, right? I love yeah, two hundred eighty thousand, and it's done massive business in the UK. Unsurprisingly, in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm not. So you should take this for me because no. you're a big Emma Thompson no. fan. Ronan, no. you literally just said no. you want to see no. this because Emma no. Thompson wrote no. it. No. So Ronan will see this there next is. week, Thank you, Ronan. and he will report back. There I cannot wait, Ronan. Ronan, I can't Love hear anything. Ronan and Bohemian Rhapsody. Ronan, I would rather shoot myself. You are going to see this next week. You have been assigned the film. You will take your film and enjoy it. Yes. Anyway. That's a top 10. Somehow we got through that. Are we ready for uh, some new releases? Why is there there's, there's lots of new releases, so <laughs> let's speed through them. You ready? Because none of us will likely have seen them. Um, right, let's do it. Uh, starting with the amazing Jonathan documentary, which, this is a weird oh, yeah. one. This is the documentary about uh, a, 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 apparently a magician who's dying and the following of him. Mm. And then it turns to something else. And this sounds like exactly the kind of documentary that I'll hate because the big... <laughs> I'm a big weirdo about documentaries. Uh, yeah, I don't like to see it in documentaries. I don't like. No, I'm with you. I don't like a dazzling sleight of hand documentary. It's a really fucking documentary. Technically, there shouldn't be a plot twist. No, because it's a documentary, right? Okay. Yeah. That's, yes. <laughs> this is me. It's easier to agree with you. No, I, I, this, <laughs> no, this is this is my particular book bearing documentaries and Netflix. The Netflixization the of documentaries and cling. Right? Yeah, I don't like that. The three identical strangers because it's quite clear what it's doing and then it changes up at the end to say, oh, well, that's what we're doing. So we know you were doing that, and also you're just lying now to make us out like you're fucking idiots. Anyway, whew, no, I did not like it. Um, so. So you should go see this one. Yeah, you take one for the <laughs> Louise, team. Louise, you're going to go and see this, Louise. It's 91 minutes. You'd be grand. 
91 is not. You sure you'd be in and out? Oh, 91 minutes? No time at all. Uh, it's not. I. I Maybe it's good. Maybe I'm being harsh. Uh, but then when did I ever stop me? Uh, yeah. I don't know. This is what happens when you watch five Fast and the Furiouses back to back. I know. I've listened. I'm losing the plot. You don't have to tell me. I didn't think you could get more bitter and here we go. Hey, <laughs> there's years to go ahead. How bad can it be? Let's see. Oh God, Roland. Yeah. You sit up when you're talking, mister. We want to hear you. <laughs> Frozen 2. Yeah. This will be, we'll be talking about this for the next six months. Um, this, the first film, uh, famously, the first film directed by a woman to make over a billion uh, euros. Billion quid. It's in about first animated film. And I think this is that. the same director, right? Yes, uh, co-directed Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee mm-hmm. uh, and a sequel to Frozen obviously I quite enjoyed Frozen I don't love it I don't really see the like, the success of it in terms of the actual mental when he made seems slightly inexplicable but I did enjoy it there's fun to be had the songs are memorable etc etc I'm an adult now so I've been saying that you're, you're, you're really against kids films aren't you Louise you're like that kind of grumpy old person Grinch. get off yeah. my lawn kind of uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood in uh, Gran Torino kind of thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all right. Somebody has to be. So you're not going to see this, is what you're saying? Yeah. All right. We'll get Luke. Luke will see anything. God bless him. <laughs> so we'll have Luke back on and uh, he'll have seen it. I've heard a couple of people say this is better than the original. Ooh, well, But mostly it's people who are a bit sceptical. Yes. The I think the, there's people that are sniffy about the original. There's people yeah. that love it. I think the people that love it don't think this is as good. And the people yeah. that weren't a big fan like this a bit more. So it, I don't know. It'll probably shake out somewhere in the middle. I, I would suspect. I won't yeah, know. See. I'll probably end up watching it two years from now. But uh, not, not at the moment. Um, another film that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that was out, but it's not out because we made. You lied. Well, yeah. The cinema lied. Somebody lied to me. <laughs> anyway, it's the dog called Money, which is the PJ Harvey ah, documentary yes. directed by Seamus Murphy. Yes, which apparently different... was listed online to to be out two weeks ago, and then yeah. it disappeared. It had a different UK to Irish. Release yes, it did, which, which is quite unusual, odd. Yeah. Uh, so it's out this week, and this is the uh, PJ Harvey and Seamus Murphy on a journey through the creative process behind PJ Harvey's new album. And I've thought this sounded really good, and then I read a little bit about it, and then it sounds kind of appalling. Oh. That she ends up going to kind of war torn areas to get kind of inspiration oh. and stuff, and it sounds oh, a no. bit kind of rich woman's kind of. I find those yeah. kind of films very indulgent. I don't yes, think I've ever liked I'm a little worried about that. So it's kind of like Johnny Cash going to Jerusalem, like oh, this kind yeah. of. No, that would set me Yeah, I don't. I don't know about this. You should go and see Louise in the best game. Tell, do, tell I, us all about it. I really like um, PJ Harvey. Yes, it is a movie. Uh, so do I. I. I really like her, but... I refuse to see these Musician kind of documentaries I'm never too sure about anyway. And there's far too many of them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. let's find a studio that produce an album. Let's make a documentary. It's like, maybe not everything needs a documentary made about it. Maybe. There's a know? very good one, I would say, about Glenn Campbell and his Alzheimer's. Which is very interesting. Oh, yeah. I do quite like Glenn Campbell, so I'd be, yeah, it's I'd be on a, that a, yeah. to some degree. Alright, I'll and take your word for it. There was actually a good one about Johnny Cash and Nixon. And um, Oh I I've read about this a little while. Yeah, that was that's worth saying. Alright. Cash Nixon. He wanted him to sing um Anoki from West Coast or Anoki. You know the song. And yeah, I do. It's basically from Muskogee. Yeah, it's basically mocking kind of poor people and people Oh lovely. Um and it's about dodging the draft and yeah. So it's, right. it's, in, it's interesting. Noted. Another one for your uh, watch list. Um, another IFI release this week, uh, La Belle Epoque, which is a French film, obviously, by this title. Uh, this sounds kind of terrible, 
but maybe not. Ronan, have a listen to this, right? Antoine, played by Guillaume Canet, runs Time Travellers. Guillaume, yeah, sorry. A company that uses VR technology. This sounds very modern. Uh, painstakingly recreates for its clients a specific time in their history. Victor Daniel Otwell, who I do really like. Yeah. A curmudgeonly cartoonist living in the grip of an existential crisis. It's a French film if there's not an existential yeah, crisis. Uh, <laughs> or an affair. Oh yeah, indeed. Or smoking cigarettes out the window in a black and white. Um, avails of the service to live a happier time in his life the specifically the night of May 16th 1974 mm. and the very bar in Lyon where he first met and fell in love with his wife Marianne no. with whom he has become estranged I don't know I'm not ever seeing this I don't think <laughs> this this sounds so French who's directed this uh, Nicolas Bidos 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 so I yeah I look forward to Ronan uh, coming back to tell us all about this where's your week. chores this week uh, I don't the <laughs> presenter I, I, I divvy out stuff I don't actually the magician uh, one I, I hand... watch Final Destination 4 right it's a tough world for me <laughs> I don't know about this this sounds kind of terrible I, I haven't read much about it beyond that I'm never seeing this that I think. sounds like Woody Allen though, doesn't, doesn't it, it? Yeah. everything in everything you want to know about mirror. time travel but we're afraid to ask yeah the VR set is not no yeah it's like uh-uh. for the kids. Uh-uh. Anyway, screw you in your existential crisis. Yeah, no. I have enough of those. Um, right, twenty-one bridges. What's that? <laughs> Remarkably advertised by the visionary producers of Avengers Endgame. Oh yes, um, all over the buses. Chadwick Boseman, who was uh, obviously was in the Avengers, one of the yes, Avengers films. He was uh, the guy. Uh, Sienna Miller, J.K. Simmons, and Taylor Kitsch. So it's good cast. Actually, this. The reviews is have been slightly better than I expected. Mm-hmm. This is one of those classic New York thriller kind of thing that the, the okay. 90s were full of, yeah. uh, which I used to enjoy. And even the kind of bad ones have a certain amount of fun. And this seems like a kind of similar kind of an embattled NYPD detective who was thrust into a citywide manhunt for a pair of cop killers after uncovering a massive and unexpected conspiracy. And he closed all the bridges in Manhattan to find them. That's oh yeah, York, so yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, essentially, yeah. But you know, with an updated, cool kind of thing. I like. I probably won't see this in the cinema, but at some point, I'll, at a Saturday night at home, sure. I'll probably watch it. Ninety nine minutes doesn't hurt. That's uh, not bad. That's not bad at all. And the cast is fine. Like I like Sienna Miller. She's had a great yeah. kind of supporting cast uh, thing. I suspect she's just played the wife here, but who knows? No doubt. Uh, J.K. Simmons and Taylor Kitsch are fine. So yeah, I'm I'm probably going to catch this at some point. Uh, Blue Story. Directed Sorry. and written by Rapman, who I'm, I'm reliably told is a rapper. Oh, okay. Uh, it, Blue I'm, Story I'm, is no. a tragic tale of a friendship between Timmy and Marco, two young boys from opposing postcodes. Timmy, <laughs> that's a really weird description. Timmy, a shy, smart, naive, and timid young boy from Deptford, goes to school in Peckham, where he strikes up a friendship with Marco, a charismatic streetwise kid from the local area. Although from warring postcodes, Jesus there's a lot of postcodes. The two quickly form a friendship. Until it's tested and they wind up on rival sides of a street war. I presume that's a post-Cold War. Uh, Blue, <laughs> Blue Story depicts elements of Ratman's own personal experiences and aspects of his childhood. The message he aims to send through his works are positive ones aimed at inspiring kids from difficult backgrounds to turn away from local gangs. Do we know so, any kids we can send to this? I'm not going. Any kids you hate that you can send to this? Luke, like, if you're listening, Luke, you're taking this what, one for the team. It's 91 minutes. Luke from? Uh, he's from the Warring Postcodes, uh, the great ones. 91 minutes, though, and Paramount released. I think this is supposed to be okay, um, yeah. but in a kind of wordy kind of sense, but sure. beyond that, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but no. like, at least they could have made it sound good. Yeah. <laughs> God, right. I'm mighty, like, in fairness, I clipped that out of it from somewhere, so, you know. Well, 
could have read it. Wore those postcodes. Like <laughs> uh, right. Two more films. Let's do it quickly. Them That Follow, a terrible title for him, I have to say. Them That Follow? Yeah, right? That's what? a bit. Shite. Yeah. <laughs> a young woman's secret threatens to rip her religious community apart in this drama starring Olivia Coleman, oh. Caitlin Dever, and Alice Englert, which sounds like an Angle Ensor and <laughs> Finn Wolfhart and all those people that don't read uh, real names. They're not real people. Uh, so this is one of these kind of, yeah, I don't know. This looks like an ITV movie that's somehow going to do no, the cinema. No, it, it's, it's set in the south of America. I think it's got a budget. So you're going to see it? What? No. So well, Louise essentially <laughs> said she's going to go and see this and tell us all about it next week. She, did she, it's written in blood, I, essentially. I'm getting enough of Olivia Coleman in the crown. Alice Engelsort is going to, going to blow Alice, your mind in this one. Is it Alice Engelsort? It's Alice Wolfhard Engelsort is her name. It's not really. I just, Finn Wolfhard always throws me every week. Wolf Finnhard, as I call him. And uh, you know the guy from uh, Baby Driver? Uh, Ansel Elgort uh, Ansel you see nobody Ansel knows who they are they're not real Elgort? people none of them are real people they're all made up I don't know these people no nobody does I don't know I've seen the trailer it's not good anyway. uh, <laughs> finally and one I actually do want to see oh. is uh, Harriet um, I the Harry Tubman by yes uh, directed by yes indeed the story to speak that the studios wanted to cast Julia Roberts because nobody really cares whether somebody's white or black in a biography uh, the 90s yeah. were fun, weren't they? Weren't Jesus. they? Cynthia Revo is uh, playing her, and it's also as Janelle Monet and stuff like that. This is quite a push. Yeah, it is for Oscars. Um, Casey Lemons directed it, who is a phenomenally talented director and mm-hmm. actor. She was uh, Jodie Foster's friend in Silent Lands, if you remember from okay. back in the day. And she made um, Samuel L. Jackson film, Eve's Bayou in the 90s oh, right. which is really really good yeah, yeah. Uh, full of atmosphere really really interesting film so I'm kind of on board with this uh, as a kind of directorial film and it is Harriet Tubman's Escape from Slavery and Transformation mm. into one of America's greatest heroes uh, it does <laughs> sound a bit biography but I heard it's a little bit better than that but yeah. this was this was a vehicle for Julia Roberts at once apparently it was yeah. discussed by the studio at yeah. the time and I think 94 they were they were going to make it with Julia Roberts and the Tubman story is really interesting because like she got freed and went back and freed other people on. it's a really fairness, kind of proper story Around that time, Julie Roberts was so versatile when you think of Mary <laughs> What was it, the awful Mary Riley film? Oh, man, yeah. I mean, she, yeah. John Malkovich as Dr. Uh, Dr. I'm going to call him Strange Love because uh, it was a very strange for him. Yes. Uh, this, this sounds good. I'll probably yeah. get to this of the weeks because quite oh, frankly, right. so nothing. You're, you're picking I'm taking the Harriet. I'm right. cherry picking. Cool. You get you get all yeah. those. The view of them as you see fit people, I, I'm not one to argue with you. Um, there's one that we missed last week. Should we have a chat about is marriage it? Story? Yes, we saw a Marriage Story. Marriage uh, Story came out last week. The No Bambach. Uh, it'll be on Netflix in about two weeks' time, something yeah, like that. It's, it's um, not very good. My son Ron didn't not. like it. Uh, I think it looks really dull. It's, it's gotten really good reviews. It's yeah. very much in the vein of Kramer versus Kramer and indeed Bambach's own Ooh. Squid and the Whale, which I love. I love the Squid and the Whale. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I love just all thinking... the squids, uh, to be honest with you. Um, the Squid and yeah. the Whale was really interesting. I, I really liked it, it too. Got, it captured the kid's eye view of divorce really really well having mm-hmm. like been through that myself I recognise a lot from it there are some really tender scenes it works fabulously well I think with this I get the sense this is very much from the adult side of things it's kind of a, a perspective he doesn't seem to have processed sufficiently yes. to do anything interesting with it it's really one sided yeah, it just really feels really incredibly indulgent yeah well it's a very male view of a divorce Absolutely. and there's various things in it that it's clear where sympathies lie which is with himself and the and, the, <laughs> and um Adam Driver plays a, a genius director of a genius uh, and a genius, a genius who gets a genius grant. grant as a stand-in it's you know 
Oh, you can you can insert painful. your own wanker gestures well. as you see that fit. That happens as well as the next year. It does, but you it's, can it's, it's you can be well knifed because he's an idiot. Yeah, and, and also it's torn apart yeah. as in how he's he viewed. No, idea what no he doesn't. Right. No, he doesn't. Absolutely all. And he's not a genius by any except yeah. Yeah. except in his own and all those are the way we look at our own lives yeah. and stuff like that. That doesn't and happen here. No, it doesn't. It's very much. Everyone I, hugs. I found it insufferable for the most part. I think there's there's moments in it that are not bad. The two performances I think are very good, and there's some great support performances uh, Julie Hegarty yeah. Alan Alda um, Merritt Weaver Merritt Weaver they're all really really good Rayliana has a good turn yes they're, like they're all in slightly different films yeah the problem I would have yeah there's this comedy moments and then yeah, there's yeah. back to serious stuff the it doesn't quite work I didn't like it the score uh, is terrible oh god cinematography is great by our friend Robbie Ryan Robbie Ryan friend of the show a pal of myself and um, Ronan's it uh, is actually beautifully beautifully shot there's a lot of really I think interesting shot of walls and indoor kind of thing yeah. there are these shots of like a subway car where they're on opposite sides of it and even in a small space it makes it look like there's a huge space between yeah. them Brilliantly best thing in the film uh, except I, like, awesome. I, I like Driver in the film I like Johansson in the film they're individually good performances but they don't they're ever coalesce they're often made to knock off each other in ways that are just overblown yeah. they both get shouty scenes that feel like Oscar clips yeah. to me yeah. No. No, I hated no. everything about it in the trailer. No. Yeah, so yeah. no. I, I, really, I, I had a hard time with it. Yeah, it me just too. seemed like a big indulgent film full of nothing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they could, they could spread it in hands and hair just to make her seem less. Yeah. A, yeah and mm. it's got yeah. two, two sort of dueling scenes from the same uh, Stephen Sondheim musical, which are just nonsense. They yeah. both have to do a song. It's just painful. Yeah. No, 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 no. Pass. No, no, hard no, pass. No. We saw it. We were annoyed. It has turned up in film of the decade list. And people are what? Oh, people people are need to see. Shocked. People seem need to see more films. They do. They really do. They These really. are the people though that like Shawshank Redemption and Coldplay and don't know how to like things organically well, for themselves. Isn't that the guy from um, uh, Peep Show? You know, people like Coldplay and vote for the Nazis. Or, you never put people. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's it's people uh, who don't know how to like things organically. Superhands. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Sure. I agree. Anyway, on that bombshell about the Nazis uh, I think we'll we, we leave it there Ronan have films, and Louise have a lot of films so you're just going to get running out of the cinema you might catch one so uh, crack on you crazy people bye see you next week bye guys